handle the truth. Hey, everybody, what's going on, man? What's going on? We got we got Mr. Demetrius Nuckazil back in the building for another Thursday night. Get right. How is everybody doing? Welcome back. Welcome back. First off, um, before I pass the mic, let me let me uh give everybody a blessing, man, and make sure that you know everybody's feeling good. We in we in the right state of mind tonight. We ready just to kick back and and vibe out a little bit and just and just learn a couple things about things that are, are going on in our environment, you know. So sit back, relax, and uh, good evening, Demetrius, man. What's going on? Hey, man. Good evening, man. It's a beautiful day, you know. It's been a long, hard fought day, but at the end of the day, we still breathe and we still believe, and that means we still got another chance to make something right. Hey, man, man. How was, how's your week been? Uh, the week been, I, I was kind of under the weather with uh, some doggone uh, sinus infection. Had to get a COVID test, got ne negative result, but I had a sinus infection, so, so I'm still kind of getting over that right now. Yeah, you know, my sinuses was bothering me too, man, for about a week. Bad, all in my nose, my head. I thought I was getting sick, but it was, I think that's what it was, was my sinuses. Yeah, definitely. That's what they told me it was, my sinuses. Yeah, I'm still clogged up. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something, man. I've been clogged up for a week now, since probably last Wednesday. And I have to say that... Nothing, it didn't slow me down at all. Mm. It didn't slow me down. I just said, you know what? I ain't got time to be crying. Because there's people out here that have nothing. They can't go get medication. You know, so I looked at it from that perspective and said, I just got to go do what I got to do, man. Yeah, I, I can relate to that because, you know, I... I... I get into these funks, you know, kind of what we'll get into tonight, but I get into these funks, you know, and, and, um, and I just pour into my work, you know, I pour into, into my work and, and I try to forget about what I got going on personally, but what ends up happening is my health greatly deteriorates. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, and I, and I believe that's how I ended up forming them blood clots in my leg because I was just, I was just here behind this desk for eight, nine hours just working and not even trying to, I didn't leave. You know what I mean? I just like wrapped up in a cocoon, you know, man. Sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves, you know, I'm, I was taught that men find themselves where they solve their problems best. And when you enter this type of work based on your passion, you kind of lose yourself in it. You immerse yourself in it to the point to where sometimes you just lose track of time. Mm. Because you're just doing the work. You just lose. And then next thing you know, you, you don't even realize that you didn't even eat yet. Amen. And then what do you do? You're in the middle of doing something. You get up and you, you grab some, some quick junk food. You know what That's I mean? Right. In a soda. Bad for your health. <laughs> right. And it piles right. up. You know, we're not, we're not in our 20s no more. You know? Right. Our bodies can't, can't absorb like that anymore. But so tonight we're going to get into... The five stigmas of coming home. Mm. The five stigmas of coming home. Now, I sent you a list. 
just a kind of a, a general list that I could I could think off the top of my head. Um, you know, just for us to ponder off of and, and relate to and, and maybe give uh some some examples of those of of these stigmas and then uh maybe some solutions, you know. Okay, so what was that what was that first one that generally applies to men and women coming home from prison? So the first the first one that I have on the list of five stigmas of coming home is that prison rehabilitates us. Wow. Well, it's 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 amazing that we even use the word rehabilitation because some of my listeners right now that was with me at Huron Valley Women's Correctional Facility yesterday, one young lady brought up the very word rehabilitation. I thought prison was supposed to rehabilitate people. And I told the young lady, I said, no, it was not meant to rehabilitate people. It was to debilitate people. Now, in 1994 in Michigan, the prison system was in a debate about whether they should even use the word rehabilitation or attach the word rehabilitation to prisoners incarceration. The reason being is that if they attach the word rehabilitation, that means that they have to, they're held to a different responsibility then. They have to fund different programs then that will then uh, uh, show evidence that they have actually tried to help a prisoner regain his footing, so to speak, in society. Mm. Rehabilitation. Now, I would call you a rehabilitated man. What does rehabilitation look like to you? And, and, and I, I see, I agree with you there because it's a difference when you're talking about doing something for yourself. Mm-hmm. See, see, when, a, when an athlete springs his ankle or have an Achilles injury, they go in rehabilitation. They get it repaired and then they go in rehabilitation. That's muscle training. Uh, uh, different types of massage treatments and therapies, uh, different type of exercises and workouts to put them back on track to become the athlete that they want that they were before prior to the injury, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we do to ourselves. We rehabilitate ourselves, and that's the part that society really don't understand is that prison didn't do this to me. I did this to me. Prison didn't even provide the programming. I provided the programming to rehabilitate myself. Why? Because I was like that athlete that knew I was great. I just needed to get myself back in shape. That's right. That's absolutely correct. So <clears throat> the ways that prison that 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 I guess the the people, you know, that we're coming home to our family, friends, things of that nature, they're they're under the impression that we're rehabilitated in their own mind. Again, the, this is their perception of what rehabilitation looks like. And as we know, the general, the general public, even our own family members, have no idea what, what, we've, what we've endured. You know, like I try to explain to people, trying to explain the prison experience is like trying to get somebody to understand what slavery was or the Holocaust 
you know, concentration camps, things of that nature. Unless you were in there and you went through it, you know, for years, we're talking, you know, how much time would you say would be enough time for an individual to know about the prison experience? First of all, if, like you said, if you haven't been there, you would never understand it the way we understand it because mm-hmm. you you just wasn't there. That's not to take anything away from what you're trying to expound on or learn, but you will never, never be able to see things the way that we see it because we was there when it happened. You weren't. You felt it, but you didn't see it. We felt it. We seen the swords and the fists and the cuffs. We seen the corruption coming and couldn't do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> heard it too. All they did on the outside, some of our family members, they heard it and then they felt it. But we seen it, heard it, and felt it. So how, how long would you say? Would you say a decade, five years, or, or is it is it just upon each person? It's 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 a person to person situation because I always I used to tell young guys in prison. Because young guys used to be like, man, how long you been locked up? I would tell them. They say, oh, man, I ain't I ain't got nothing but this long, a year. Or I ain't did nothing but a year. I said, let me tell you something, brother. If you've been in jail for one day, <laughs> that's a life sentence. Because you can lose your life in that one day. And I don't mean physically. I mean uh, psychologically. You can lose your mind in that one day. You can Absolutely. be that traumatized. Your family can lose their mind based on you being left. I mean, you being, you leaving. So one day can be the, the catalyst in anyone's life that goes to prison. Some people, it takes 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, to each, to each, each situation has its own set of circumstances. So what, what are some signs of a rehabilitated person? What, what would you say as a, for, you know, a wife, a mother, you know, a parent, anything of that nature, what are some signs that they can look at to see if a, if a, if an individual is truly rehabilitated or not? I, I, I would say things like uh, for this is a perfect example of uh, something that you can look at and determine rehabilitate uh, whether the person is rehabilitated. You can say, well, just listen to him. First of all, listen to him. Second of all. See if his actions match his words. When you're talking about uh, every morning, I'm going to start going outside. I'm going to get me a little workout in. I'm going to check out the news because I want to be informed. And then I'm going to go down the street to the school and help them clean up the schoolyard or go down to the store or wherever you say you're going. And you just want to watch that person. Mm -hmm. See his development, because although on the inside of prison, we ourselves said that we're going to rehabilitate ourselves, that means nothing if you don't come out here and put that rehabilitative mindset to work. So that's why I say you got to watch the actions. Don't listen to the words, because, you know, in, in prison, out here, we know how to use those words. Absolutely. You have to watch our actions. And that's the tail of the tape right there. Our actions, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, family and friends, watch our actions and and you be the judge, so to speak, 
of whether or not we have been like that athlete who sprung his ankle and now he's coming back for his first game and 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 I'm about to put 30 on somebody in this game. Right. Because because yeah, as us as the injured as the injured player, we think we can go out there and play 100%, but what we're doing is just re-injuring ourselves. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I would agree. So so uh humbleness, understanding, um compassion, these are some signs of a rehabilitated person, especially if they weren't showing these things prior to going into prison. It's that respect, man. That respect is the number one because with respect comes the honor, comes the humility, comes the meekness, comes the loyalty, comes the responsibility, comes the accountability. That respect. That's right. So when you find somebody that came out and they just they they are very distinct. I mean, they stand up different. They walk, talk different. They respect different. Why? Because they have real respect. That's when you know someone has actually been rehabilitated. But let me say this. This is for the people who right now are listening to us and they say, well, I know guys like that who came out and they was respectful at first. And then, I mean, let me just say this here. Just because the brother just said it, sometimes we rehabilitate ourselves like the athlete and they go out there and play again just to re-injure. But they still playing on an injured knee or a, a bum knee or ankle or whatever, and they're playing very great. But that don't mean that they're, they're still not injured. So we still are traumatized. We're still going through some stuff. Don't don't condemn us because we going through something. Yeah. Because we all going through something. And we'll we'll break into them coming up. So number one, one of the 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 the, the first five stigmas of coming home is that that were re rehabilitated coming home from prison, and that's just not true. It's not true. Again, like like Demetrius said, it's a case by case scenario of of analyzing and and making sure that this individual is rehabilitated. Number two of the five stigmas of coming home for, for an incarcerated loved one is that we will reoffend. Would you agree with that? You think that's a big stigma against us that we're gonna that we're gonna reoffend? The cards are stacked against us. Society has been taught by the system of oppression to believe that we are going to not we might we are going to reoffend and the the system tends to try to bag that theory up with statistics and say seven out of ten prisoners that return home from prison returns back to prison within two years. That's the narrative that they feed society. So society, the energy began thought is energy. So now everybody began to think and have that fear that, man, if he's going to return, I know he's going to return back to prison because statistics say this. But shoot, I know he used to rob people. I hope he don't rob me. So now everybody feeding that type of energy around you to where now if anything happens around there, you might just be the one that they pick up and you ain't have nothing to do with it. Just because the stigma. And that's why we're trying to remove that stigma. That's right. That's right. The fact that the public feels like we're going to reoffend. What that does is that automatically puts 
that stigma in, in that person's mind that no matter how good we do, they're looking for us to do the bad so that they can point the finger at us to say, aha, I knew it. I wasn't wrong. You were going to reoffend. And sometimes, whether they know it or not, they may even be triggering certain things, you know, just to say, you know how many times since I've been out, you know, ha I knew that you, but you're, you're sitting here triggering me. You know what I mean? Right. Of course, I'm going to get angry if you're triggering me. <laughs> right, right. You're not human. You're not supposed to be human. Right. That's exactly right. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be a person that gave up all right to any fault. I cannot make fault anymore because I'm a rehabilitated person. Right. So the fact that we will reoffend is a is a as a big stigma in society's mind that we have to face coming home. We already have failure in our face coming home. The third stigma of the five of coming home is misrepresentation. Misrepresentation. Misrepresenting me as something that I'm not. Because you don't understand the trauma, the PTSD, the anxiety, or anything of that nature. You see me as a certain way, and you're automatically in your mind labeling me as an angry person, antisocial, you know what I mean? Or uh, any of the other ones that you may label me as, because I may be showing those characteristics, right? So it's the misrepresentation. And then what happens is, like in the case with my child, when my child would say, he w- she would go and she would ask different family members, well, why is he so angry? Why is he angry all the time? He never smiles, you know, th- and these things. They don't know. They don't know how to answer that. So they just, they try to answer it in their own mind, one, to, to, to pacify or however, but it's, it's that misrepresentation. It's that misrepresentation. And I agree because you can take, for example... Uh, take a take a puppy or a dog, right? And say, for instance, the dog pooped on the carpet, and you bust the dog upside his head, right? Puppy, dog, you bust him upside his head, right? The next time you raise your hand, the dog might, you know, kind of squinch and cower, right? Because he expecting for you. To hit him again. And so what society, many people in society don't understand is that we've been hit and kicked like a dog down the road so long by the system that we've almost lost trust in people because people represent the system. So now we get out here and we work at this job and people like, like they say, why he's so angry, man? He don't talk to nobody, man. He just, because I'm scared that if I say something, people are going to take it the wrong way. That's right. Because I know I'm going through something. They just don't know. And some people are not uh, deserving to know what I'm going through. Mm. Because they might use it against me. Like the other people, the system has used, the, used it against us. We are traumatized. They don't understand that. Sometimes it, it takes a a real a real sit down meeting with people who have a genuine interest in you to break that down to them. I've I've had to do that, still do that to this very day, 
because everybody see the smile on my face. Everybody see how I move and everybody think I'm Superman. Hmm. And, and I was just telling someone yesterday how sometimes I have to hold back my tears from some of the stuff that I see today and some of the things that I feel today and some of the triggers that I have, right? But because I don't share it outwardly to everybody, they just see me as a guy. He's so strong. I am strong. But I'm not as I'm I'm not without I'm not without fault. Right. You know, we traumatized, man. So do you have a story of how maybe you've been misrepresented since you've been home? How how mischaracterized or misrepresented? Uh absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh this just happened recently as uh as just last week. Someone was like, uh they say uh you ain't got to be so aggressive, but you are attacking me. You are triggering me. You're in my space. You're putting your hands on me. And all I did was ask, I said, please don't put your hands on me. Mm -hmm. You are aggressive. Well, you entered my space and I'm, I finally got outside of prison to where Guards can't just enter my space when they want to. Yeah, you're very protective of your space. Without being able to say something or defend myself. Now I can't defend myself. Don't take it that I'm being aggressive. I'm just being protective of me. Mm -hmm. No offense toward you. This is just in protection of me. And so I had to tell. It was a young lady. Because we was, we was breaking up something. And she put her hands on me. And all I said was, please, I said, please don't put your hands on me, ma'am. You ain't got to get all aggressive. Why are you getting so aggressive? And I'm just, I'm baffled, but I've heard this on multiple, multiple occasions. People say, you too aggressive, man. Well, that's the main thing with me is, is, and again, you know, the understanding for me when I have to sit down and, 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 and contemplate is, is that, Society has not seen or been part of the anger that we have, right? Because when you go into prison, there's a line that you have to cross. You know, it's not just play fighting in the backyard anymore and, and, and such. Like, your life is on the line, you know, and, and, and you have to be able to, to take it to that limit at any given moment, you know. And once you cross that level... On any plane, whether it's intelligence or anything of that nature, you, there's no going back. Once you know something, you can't unknow it. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so what the misrepresentation for me is, is that these people see me as anger, but they really don't even know what anger is not coming from me. Me, this is just this is just what life is carved out of. You know what I mean? This is this is what life has carved me into. But I'm not angry. I'm frustrated that I'm, I'm so misrepresented. I'm hurt. You know what I mean? I'm a hurt human being, you know, who, like you say, has been traumatized and, and, and misunderstood his whole life. And I'm walking around as a hurt person that nobody really understands. And there's frustration right. in that, but I'm not angry. You know what I mean? And for me, that's one of the, one of the biggest misrepresentations that it, it really hurts me when people see that because me, I'm a, I am a, 
kind, loving soul at this point. I'm not an angry soul. You know, I'm just hurt to see humanity is in the place that it's in. Right. You know, but misrepresentation, you know, that's a big thing about guys coming home. What are some, what are some signs? What are some, some ways that, uh, again, a, a mother, a parent, a spouse can not misrepresent, you know? You know, sometimes, and this, this is not just, and, and, and we talking about people coming home from prison, but it's people out here who's been in prison out here for far longer than some of us been in prison in there. No question. And, and so that's the conversation because mental ill runs rampant. So it, it does not discriminate. It don't care if you're on the inside of prison or outside of prison or standing alongside the prison. So I think that we, if, if you are concerned with the person, if you love this person, if you have a genuine interest in this person, you know, give them room. Mm. Give that person room to uh, express themselves, you know. And sometimes it may be an expression that may sound offensive to you. But if you know that person, if you know that person, we're speaking of parents and loved ones right now. If you know that person, then you know that he never meant that to be offensive towards you. But that's how he expresses himself. Because you have to give us that room to express ourselves because we've been through some stuff again to where we, the people that we talked to was the walls or that same bunkie for years and years and years. That's right. That's who we talked to. So we didn't have no real counsel. You know, we walked the yard with a few guys that we might see and then you might see him today and he in the hole for the next two, three years tomorrow. Hmm. So now we didn't have nobody to vent to. We vented to ourselves. So we built up that anger, that ball of anger, and then we started turning that anger into some way to calm ourselves down. And once we calm ourselves down, stuff comes out a little fiery. So you say, I'm still angry. No, I'm not angry. I'm just fiery because I have learned how to galvanize that anger, that fiery anger, I've learned to minimize it to the point to where now I can use it to my advantage. Mm-hmm. And I can humanize myself somehow, some way. And I would appreciate the people would give me the space to humanize myself. That's right. And the big one for me is just ask questions. Don't assume. The worst thing you can do with me, and, and this is a disclaimer that I tell people, do not assume anything with me. Just ask. You know what I mean? Just ask because I try, I'm trying to eliminate all assumptions. I don't want to assume, you know what I mean? Because anything outside of my skin, I'm completely ignorant of, and I have no right to assume anything. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just ask questions and it really upsets people. People ask me all the time. Why do you ask so many questions? Cause I don't want to assume anything. Yes. You know what I mean? I'd rather just ask you than assume because a lot of times when I assume I'm wrong, and then I got to come back and it takes twice as long to clean up that mess than when I could have just asked you. But why are you getting so frustrated about me just asking you a question? <laughs> right, right. Well, because it's just common sense. OK, well, it's common sense to you. You know what I mean? But it's not common sense to me. And, and this, this is where we get into this thing is where like society thinks that 
It's this group mentality thing. Just like just because I know it and we live on the same block, you're supposed to know it. Right. That's not true. Right. You know what I mean? But so another another one moving on to number four of the five stigmas of coming home for an incarcerated individual, right? Is the the perception that we are to just forget about it, um, move past our experiences, right? It's it's over, it's done with. Just just move on from it. Go get a job and just and and live your life back in comfort and 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 whatever. So for me, this again, this is a big perception. I, I've heard this a lot from people. You know, why are you constantly talking about prison? Why are you? Con- why don't you just move on? Like you did your time, get over it. Go get a normal job and just do it. That kind of reminds me of this question I asked this young guy. He was two years old when his father was killed, right? This is a young guy that I mentor to. So he's his mother contacted us because he was acting out. And so he became my, the first young guy I mentor to out here. And so I asked them this question. I said, where your father at? He said, my father was killed when I was two years old. Hmm. And I said, how does, how does that make you feel, even though I know you was only two years old? He said, I miss my father. Hmm. I miss my father. So he's acting out because he misses his father, right? My point in relation to People tomorrow just get over it is that we can just tell him to get over it because he was only two years old. No, you he can't get over it because it's a memory. We can't get over it because this is a memory. I will never forget the 28 years I did in there. Mm. I don't care if I became a billionaire. I don't care if I had became a, a got a master's degree in psychology and psychiatry and everything else. I'm still going to reflect back to where I came from. (laughs) And I'm still going to remember everything that I went through while I was in that old 28 years. Because if I don't remember that society, if I don't remember that now society got a problem on their hands. If I just act like this never happened. Well, it's, I mean that's that's it to a T, and 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 for me it's it's because if you if you if you haven't learned to accept who you are and the choices that you've made in your life, then you're not rehabilitated. You know what I mean? You're not you're not happy with who you are. You're still trying to run from who you are. That's going to lead to drug abuse. That's going to lead you know to in some some sort of escape from from this reality when it's put in your face because. When we come home, it's put in your face no matter where you go. How can we forget about it? Every time I go somewhere, I got to I got to I got to put a check, uh, you know, check a box. You <laughs> right, know? Right. How can I forget about it? So it's it's for me that's a big one because I we hear that all the time and and people really don't understand why we don't just forget about it because this is our life. It's right. our experience and for me, I know that Human beings are suffering, and I just can't sit down and watch TV and laugh, enjoy my life at the expense of of people suffering. I'll have pockets of it, but at the end of the day, 
I just can't do it con continuously. I just can't sit down every night and not do anything to help these people that are suffering. Right. That's me right there, man. Number five. And, and most importantly, of the five stigmas of coming home while, from, from incarceration is that people care and that there is support for returning citizens. An, another thing that I hear a lot of uh, returning citizens get told, I see it in Facebook, I see it in, in chats everywhere, is there's programs everywhere. Come on, why can't you find a job? You're lazy. You don't want to do anything. You know, there's programs. There's all kinds of things for you to get help. Wow. <laughs> and I just had that conversation with uh, the, a young lady yesterday at the protest in front of Huron Valley Women's Correctional Facility about there is no real, they say, felon-friendly jobs. That's a myth. There is... Some type of felon friendly job, mm. but it's about, and this is, I got this straight from CEOs of big corporations and companies. They say, when we say felon friendly, we're talking more so drug abuse type cases because we have a drug abuse program that we could send our workers to. So if we receive someone who may have had been a drug addict and they got caught up, yeah, we could hire them in. We could overlook that felony. But when it comes to violent felonies, guns, uh, stealing money, uh, any type of uh, uh, crime dealing with money, we don't overlook that. So, so let's not society, let's not think that a, a guy or a woman coming home could just get a job. Mm. It's not that easy. Believe me, you're talking to someone who filled out hundreds of applications, who went on many, many interviews, turned down left and right. But I expected that because I never believed in felon-friendly jobs. So, but I stuck with it and I found my niche in nonprofit work because they pay me to pursue my passion. So they pay me to pursue my passion. Mm -hmm. Amen. Not everyone is going to be as lucky as I am. And that's why we have to really look at this issue of felon friendly jobs. That's right. I mean, you know, yes, there are programs out there. There's no question. And there are, as you say, you know, tax credits for for corporations to hire felons, felon-friendly, things of this nature. They are in place, true enough. But let me just give the general public an idea of how some of this stuff works. So I, I find a job, I Google search, and I find a job, you know, friendly felon jobs, and this job comes up. And true enough, now this job gets a tax credit for hiring me. This is the incentive to hire felons. So now I get hired. But why was I hired? wasn't because of my job skill or anything like that. It was because they get a tax credit. I'm being used as a tax credit. So what does that mean? I'm never going to rise in the country or in the, in the company. I'm not going to get promoted. And, and sooner or later, I'm going to start to realize this as a worker, right? Because anybody coming home from prison, that first job that they get, 
man, these people are excited. They're ready to work. They're ready to contribute. But it's shortly after that, do they realize that their work is, is for naught and that essentially they're just expected and, and, and you know, just to, to really be a slave for the rest of their life and not have anything because you're not going to move up in any company. You're not going to become no executive. You're not going to become, you may become a manager at, at depending, you know, Walmart or, 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 you know, one of these large facilities or something like that, but you're never going to get into the executive branch, you know? And, and that's, let me not say never, because there are individuals that have done that, but the, the right place 1%. at the right time, the right place at the right time. Like we just need to up these percentages. And so, so, you know, the honeymoon is over. That's, that's the bottom line. Mm. You get that job. We happy to be out. We happy to, now we making, we was making 17.5 cent an hour. That's like $35 a month. So now we come out here and we making 1500 a month. Oh man, I'm happy as it. Hey, I'm happy. So, but you beating burnt out yourself so much that you become to the you come to the realization that man I know I'm worth more than this and then you watch the guy come in after you and he's asking you you training him now you training him and he get the position of supervisor over you mm. you've been here longer than him and you trained him that's right and you've been in this field of work longer than him. And again, you trained him. So now he gets the job, the supervisory job. And next thing you know, you still working because coming out of prison, we like, man, I'm making some money. Now I'm happy. I'm about to try to buy me a car. I'm about to try to get my own place. I like to dress. I'm free, finally. Next thing you know, you see that guy that you trained who became your supervisor, he become another tear up. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, your bills are stacking up. See, when and we come home, we ain't got no bills. See? That's why that 1500 seems so nice. But once it's we start nice. collecting a little bit of bills, we get us a girl. Wow. So now everything that, as you see people moving up, you be you become moving down because your bills are, you done been out nine months now. And you like, man, your, your aunt, uncle, mother, father say, look, you got to start contributing to something now. And and they can't keep on driving you to work. You got to start catching that bus. Now you got to spend money on bus fare. And, and you may only get this for a couple weeks. All these, in, it's, it's after about two weeks, people are like, all right, you got to start catching the bus now. Right. And But, but that go back to the stigma that people think that we all right we all right we're rehabilitated after two weeks you should be all right now you've been home a month now i mean come yeah. on now <laughs> you've been home a month now you should be good i i looked out for you for a month yeah but i but i just did 5 10 15 20 years in prison and you think that looking out for me for a month helped me out i appreciate it but wow you just can't imagine what I'm going through right now. I'm running off adrenaline right now because I'm free. That's it. I'm not running off intelligence. I'm running off adrenaline. Yeah. And that's that's exactly it, you know, and and 
it, it happens so much. <clears throat> you you hit it right on the head. You know, we're we're sitting in there and we're working and we're training people that are going to be our boss. You know, and 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 of course that that's going to destimulate us. That's going to you know that's not going to encourage us to to continue each day. You know what I mean? And as these bills start packing, you know, stacking up, that fifteen hundred dollars that looks so good when you're not making more than fifteen hundred dollars still after a year. And now you may have a baby on the way. You know what I mean? You, you're, you're trying to establish your life, but, but life is not establishing you. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, so then what do you end up doing? You know, you, you end up becoming, uh, uh, you know, less confident, less masculine feeling, you know, and, and, and like you just can't get right. And then eventually we're going to fall back into what these people are waiting for us to fall back into. Yeah. And some people tend to turn to drugs or alcohol, you know, because they don't want to be a, they don't want to be a criminal or return to prison like that. So they just start drinking, trying to find themselves in, in at the bottom of that bottle or in that drug needle or in that pipe. And, and you know, just, just, just talking on that, I just saw a video again it was it was it was on facebook and and every once in a while I'll get this 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 these uh commercials that come through for a and e and this this locked up crap and now they're they're bringing out a new cop show so in this advertisement for the new cop show they have this this middle aged chick um drunk drugged out whatever it is, and she is completely irate in the jailhouse you know f you cop and she's spitting on him and and you have five cops sitting around her, and you could tell that they're placating her, right? Because everybody knows they're on camera. This is cops, you know? She knows she's on camera, too. She's just completely just acting out for the camera. What I see in this woman, in this human being, is an individual that feels like and is at the point in their life that they are just going to be a degenerate for the rest of their life. They don't know how to get right. They've succumbed to the fact that they're a degenerate, and they're pissed off about it. You know, these are miserable, miserable people. And and yet they are depicting her as just a dumb, drunk, drugged out criminal. And these cops are just sitting around and they're, you know, they're placating her. Now, ma'am, why did you have to do that? You know what? F you, F you, cop, you pig. And it's they're they're laughing, you know, they'll cut to the cut scenes. And I'm like, this is really disgusting. Because this is where the manipulation starts at on our public, right? Because how many people are watching that video? Millions laughing at her, not yeah. understanding that this is a human being who gave up because she feels like she can do no better because of a society that makes her feel that way. Mm, mm, mm. And we sit around and laugh at it as for entertainment because it makes our lives feel like we're better. I'm better than her. So hell, you know what I mean? You better than her, but you just one bad decision away from being just like her. One bad decision or one hurt. You know, yeah. you, you could say this today, but your wife could come home tomorrow and, and say, you know what, Earl? I met Johnny and I'm, I'm leaving with Johnny. And now what are you going to yeah. do? Your life gets flipped upside down. So the, you're sitting here making fun of this person the day before because you feel that your life is fine. But when that trigger happens, you start hitting that bottle 
You know what I mean? You run out of the bottle. Next thing you know, you're calling your buddy to get some crack or whatever because you want you you don't want to succumb to the fact that your wife left you. Right. And now you're in the same position that this, the, these people are. It happens. And this is why, and this is why we try to not judge people because this is going right along with that stigma because that stigma is a judgment. You know, they judge us guilty of anything on outside of prison. We think they're going back. Uh, they got everything. I don't know why he did that. Uh, he had his family. Uh, he ain't do nothing but a year. Uh, it's, it's so many, so many things that we face every single day. We're judged on everything we do. We're condemned on everything we do, but never given credit for the good things that we do. So now what ends up happening is that, hell yeah, I'm going to look to you like I'm always angry. I'm going to look to you like I'm always distant because I'm used to people condemning me. I'm used to people talking, criticizing me about everything, but never acknowledging me with credit for the good things that I do because they always only concerned with the bad things that I do. So now when I'm walking around and, and I don't say hi to you and, and, and I got my face a certain way to towards you, but you see me over there smiling with them. It's because they treat me like a human being. That's I feel right. Comfortable. That's no disrespect towards you, but I feel comfortable around people that treat me like a human being. And I don't feel comfortable around people who treat me inhumane. You know, what you say right there is, is, is so important, homeboy, because that right there, what you said, is the key element to recidivism. Because when we start feeling uncomfortable out here in society, whether it's unwanted, you know, we may feel unwanted or, or however, we want to go back to that jail environment because that is where our comfort is. We know that we have friends there and we're accepted there. You know what I mean? We feel part of something. And and we've learned how to survive in prison. It, I'm not scared to go back to prison. I know I can survive in prison. What I don't want is 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 all that comes with it. Right. You know what I mean. But but if I if I know that I can go there and feel good, because I I know that because even as a kid, homeboy, I used to be like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to jail for a couple of weeks and go say hey to the homeboys in there. You know, Lonnie's in there getting ready to go do life, man. Let me go hang out with Lonnie for a couple weeks before he goes up the road. You know what I mean? Going to jail was nothing for us. <clears throat> what we have to do is understand that this is what they want us to do. Right. They want us to go to jail. That's what changed everything for me is once I understood that the government wants me to do this so they can use me to fuel their agenda. Well, no, I'm, not, I'm nobody's puppet now. You know, I'm nobody's puppet, but Big D, man, another great conversation. Wake up call. It's the wake up call, y'all. Get right. Get right Thursday night, man. Get right Thursday Thursday night. night. This is right. Like you said earlier, right, uh, uh, about about being in the essence, about us being in this 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 environment and becoming that environment. I say that. One of my one of my biggest quotes, man, is in order to swim in a sea of sharks, we have to become sharks. 
Absolutely. Right. You have to be a, a shark in order to swim in a sea of sharks. But the difference is, is that if we don't have that beacon of light to remind us that we're not a shark, we're only swimming with sharks to get through. Right. Unscathed. If that beacon is not there to direct me towards that light, then I'll, I'll be consumed and I'll forget that I'm not a shark and then I'll just be a shark. You know what I mean? Absolutely, so, man. The question of the night that I want the listeners until next week to think about is what is your beacon of light? When you get off your when you get off your path, what in your life is your beacon of light that can recenter you, refocus you and bring you back to your home self? And I'm go I'm go I'm go reveal to you all what is my beacon of light. My beacon of light when I find myself in a depressive state or upset or in any diseased state of mind, I be thinking about those people on the street, man, that's homeless. Those, I mean, I mean, man, there's so many people homeless around where I be at, man, and so many drug addicts, alcoholics, and I think about those people, man, and I ride past my look at them. Sometimes I, I give them a couple dollars or I buy them something to eat because it it really hurts me, man, when I when I know just how easy that could have been me. Just how easy that could have been me. That's what humbles me and makes me realize just how blessed I am. And then I share those blessings with those people, man, because the blessing ain't yours till you give it away. The blessing wasn't meant for you. It was meant for someone else. You just became the vehicle of the blessing. Because you made a good decision and didn't end up in prison. Mm. So the blessing was dropped in your hand so you could bless those others who may have ended up in prison, who may need help. So the blessing ain't yours till you give it away. And that's what humbles me every single day. Amen, brothers. I mean, that's that's nothing else needs to be said. So until next week, thank you guys for tuning in. Stay blessed. Stay healthy. Please make sure to hit the like. Share, subscribe. We need some viewers in this room, man. We need to start getting these messages out. Make sure that the kids are hearing this. Make it, make sure that the people that need to hear these messages hear them. So please just share. Tell the people about Get Right Thursday Night with Demetrius right, Knuckles Eel and Thomas Freeman. All the time. Until next week, man, y'all stay safe, stay blessed, stay healthy. We out. Peace. the truth.